0: Man, Thank you, Sean. Good morning, everybody. Hey, you're here. It's Labor Day weekend. Thank you for joining us. I'm so glad I'm not the only one here, but uh, I'm so glad you are here. And so a couple of special things I want to bring to your attention. I am thrilled. We're doing baptisms, as Sean shared with you. We've, we're up to 16 people being baptized next Sunday. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you're considering being baptized, I was baptized as a baby. I was 10 months old. Don't remember? Have a picture or have a certificate. And it was enormously significant in my family. And... Um, but the Bible talks about a believer's baptism and we've put together, as Sean said, there's a track out there, kind of a pamphlet out in the lobby that uh, really walks you through and answers a lot of questions about baptism. And so if that's something you're interested in, we don't push it, but we make it available. Again, it's next Sunday and you can register for that. And um, the reason we have you register is you get a t-shirt. This is going public, it's a real cool t-shirt. And, um, and we want to make sure that you get set up. And that's going to be during uh, the second service, this service next Sunday. And I'm just thrilled that God's moving in that capacity. Isn't that thrilling? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Amen. The Lord answers prayer. And for a while now, we've been praying, and I've specifically been praying uh, for a pregnancy center in the area here. And for years uh, there's been, there's one in um, Temecula and there's one in Lake Elsinore. The one in Lake Elsinore has, has recently closed, uh, and, um, but it's reopening October 20th. They're doing a, a re-grand opening October 20th. Eventually we're gonna have one here in, in Menifee, and that's what I'm praying for, but in the process of praying to be aligned with and, and, and help and, and, and that being part of our mission, um, God did something really cool. So the one in Elsinore is called Birth Choice. It's doing a grand opening October 20th, and our very own, and Trina, I call her Trina, Mohika, is the new director Amen. So, We've been praying and God's heard our prayers, so I'm going to ask Trina and her husband Raul to come up. We're going to pray over them. Would you stand to your feet? God answers prayer, doesn't He? Yes. Yes. Now, I want you to know something. This particular ministry is enormous because it saves lives. It just saves lives. And obviously, it offers an alternative. Uh, But... I don't know if you realize the spiritual warfare that comes with that. When you step into that arena of ministry, there's intense spiritual warfare. It's going on right now. And so we're here to say that's nonsense. We're not going to put up with it. We're going to pray the blood of Jesus over Trina, over Rao, over the birth choice facility in Lake Elsinore. And I want you to have the honor of joining me in prayer. So let's pray right now. Father, we just lift up Trina and Raul. Lord, we're so grateful that you answered prayer that Birth Choice Lake Elsinore will be opening, grand opening October 20th. And Lord, we pray a special hedge of protection around Trina and Raul, around Birth Choice, not only in Lake Elsinore, but in Hemet and also Temecula. And God, we just pray the blood of Jesus Christ over Trina, over Raoul, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, protection provision, blessing, and even now as uh, demonic attacks from Satanist groups are, are hitting this godly endeavor, Lord, we render that and all their efforts ineffective by the blood of Jesus Christ. Every assignment that's been assigned against birth choice, against Trina and Rao, we render ineffective by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just claim victory right now. We thank You for the beautiful, beautiful honor of being a part of saving lives. In Jesus' name. And Lord, all the ministry, all the ministry and healing, both to men and women, this is a healing ministry. And Lord, we just thank You for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Congratulations. Congratulations. Amen. Amen. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. I'm continuing a series called Respond True. And throughout Jesus' ministry, he, He's moving and functioning and ministering. And, and He responds true. There's a difference between reaction and a response. A reaction typically is a knee-jerk uh, I'm just wired this way, so this is how I react. Response necessitates more uh, logic and more moving in the spirit. So your response is, is good. Your response is healthy. Your response is godly. And listen, Jesus's response is always perfect. It just is. But he's been doing ministry, and he's been ministering to people and healing. He's You know, people that are dead, he's bringing back to life. He's feeding thousands of people. He's healing people that have diseases that are horrible diseases like leprosy and and people that have handicaps, he's restoring them back to health. He's bringing life, he's bringing hope, he's bringing that realm of the miraculous into the masses of people that he's ministering to. And all the while he's doing these amazing, great, good things, there are groups of religious leaders that are just out to nail them. And they're trying to trap him. They're trying to trip him up so he makes a mistake or he answers something wrong. They're trying to disprove Jesus' own claims of being the Messiah, the Mashiach, the Savior of the world. And when you think about that, it's the religious leaders of the day that, listen, they weren't all bad. They weren't all bad. Some of them were earnestly and honestly seeking after the Lord. But there was a contingent, there was a group of religious leaders that were very vehemently against everything that Jesus was doing, and they were out to kill him. And as I said, they were trying to trip him up. But you would think that individuals who from a very early age, astute, studying the Scripture, studying the Word of God, would recognize that that which they've been waiting for, studying, hoping for their entire life, their entire existence, the Messiah of the world, is standing right in front of them, and they don't get it. They don't recognize it. They're so blinded. Maybe maybe blinded by religion. Maybe blinded by the enemy, obviously. And so Jesus was contending with all of this. And so we pick up where we left off, where there's just a litany of miracles that Jesus did. Amazing things. People, crowds are following Him. He is the hope that they've been waiting for their entire life. And again, you've got these religious leaders that were just against the whole whole thing, the whole ministry of Jesus. And so we pick up in verse 38, Matthew 12, open up there on the church app, your Bible, or we've made it really convenient. You can follow along on the screen. Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees, these were the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they answered him. Answered who? They answered Jesus saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. They wanted to see a sign from Jesus. And this is the answer. This is the response that, that Jesus gave. He said, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no, one, no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Interesting. Interesting response. Jesus, give us a sign. Do something. Do a miracle. A car trick. Do something. We need a sign. Confirm who you say you are. And Jesus uh, said, hey, an evil generation seeks a sign. And, and no sign's going to be given except, except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Fascinating, fascinating. For just as Jonah, verse 40, was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I'm going to stop there and just say, Jesus is prophesying, prophetic. It's a prophetic word. He's talking about His death. He's talking about His death, burial, and resurrection. Just as Jonah was three days. You remember Jonah, right? Jonah and the what? The whale? You know the story. It's in the Bible. You saw the cartoon, right? Jonah. Jonah. And uh, Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was a dark, dark, evil, evil place. And Jonah didn't want to go. I don't want to go there. Has God ever told you to do something or put on your heart to do something? It's like, I don't want to do that. Right? Jonah didn't want to do that. And, And yet... He ignored God and he ended up, he found himself in the belly of a whale. Can you imagine that? For three days and three nights. And so Jesus is correlating that with, where was Jesus for three days and three nights? When when he died on the cross, he was dead for three days. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. So this prophetic word from Jesus, this hasn't happened yet. And yet he's telling them in a prophetic fashion, what's going to take place. And then he says, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater, something greater than Jonah is standing before you, Jesus is saying. The the individuals, the city, the people of Nineveh repented. At Jonah's preaching, preaching the word. But something is before you that's greater than Jonah. I think, that Jesus said that. And, and then he gives another illustration to his credentials. He says, the queen of the south will rise up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Remember who Solomon was? the son of King David, Solomon, the wisest man in the world, richest man in the world. The Queen of the South came to seek him out, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And so, to ask for a sign, for these Jewish leaders to ask for a sign, was evidence, obviously, of their unbelief. And, and the Jews wanted, him, wanted Jesus to prove that he was Messiah, it's like, wait a minute, guys. Have you, have you not been watching him? Which they had been. They were following him around. All the miracles he, he had done, and now they want him to do another miracle? It's like, come on, guys. I, I'm not going to do that. They, we need proof. We need credentials. And you might think that that's a little odd. And all throughout this series, I've been kind of throwing out what I call truth statements. Because Jesus was all about truth. Truth statements. And truth statement number one this morning is this. An evil generation seeks after a sign. An evil generation seeks after a sign. Understand what uh, the Apostle Paul said. He addressed this in his letter to the church in Corinth. In in 1 Corinthians one twenty-two. he says the Jews require a sign. Now is that bad? Is that good? It's neither one or the other. That's just the way it is. If you go through the Old Testament you'll see that Anybody that God was working through, the prophets, they had to vouchify or confirm who they were by a sign, a miraculous, something miraculous that gave them the credential that they were a spokesperson for God. That was just a normal thing. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that time and time again, that throughout Israel's history, it's a religion, Judaism, of signs and wonders, of miracles, God uh, providing, Jehovah Jireh, God parting the Red Sea, God doing miraculous things. And, and yet, in this request by the Jewish leaders to Jesus, like, hey, can you give us like one more sign? Can you give us one more sign? That, that was uh, a temptation, tempting God. Similar to, and I'll bring this to your attention, similar to the time where when Jesus started his ministry, he was baptized by his cousin John the baptizer in the Jordan River. And when he came up out of the water, he started his public ministry. But prior to the actual initial start of it, he went into the wilderness, right? For 40 days and 40 nights, no food, no water. And it was during that time, at the end of that time, the devil, not a demon, but the actual devil himself, came to tempt Jesus. And I, I don't know that I have this on the screen or not, I don't think I do, but Matthew chapter 4, verse five through seven, this is what I'm describing. The devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, took Jesus. This is after 40 days of not eating or drinking to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you're the Son of God, jump off. Sounds like something the devil would say, right? Go ahead and take that drug. It'll make everything okay. Go ahead and drive your car off the bridge. Everything will be okay then. You know, that sounds like this, something that the devil would say. But he doesn't stop there with that temptation. The devil quotes Scripture. Fascinating. Not everybody who quotes or knows scripture is from God. Here's what he quotes to Jesus, who, by the way, Jesus. One of the words for Christ is He's the Word. He's the. He is the Word. He authored all that we see in our in our Bible. The devil says to Jesus, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. The devil is quoting Old Testament scripture that, hey, go ahead and jump. Because the Bible says that the angels will hold you up and keep you from hurting yourself. And here's Jesus' not reaction, here's his response. He responds true and he says, The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Bam! That was like a physical uppercut to the jaw. That was a TKO. (laughs) Knocked them out. Finished them right there. So there's at least two reasons why the the Jews required a sign. And I said, you know, is that good or is that bad? It's neither about signs and wonders. But in this particular case, It's not good because Jesus had already done enough to prove. And and again, if they had studied their word like we know they did from a young person, they were astute in the study of the Hebrew Scriptures. So they should have recognized the Messiah, somebody they'd been waiting for their entire life. But understand that Judaism is a religion of signs and miracles. All throughout the Scriptures you see that. And uh, signs... Substantiated were the credentials of a prophet. That's how they proved their legitimacy. And the problem with that is that Jesus came and superseded all of that. We looked at this a little bit last week, but in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, we talked about the Sabbath. Jesus says, don't think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that that which they were waiting for. He was the fulfillment in the flesh. Jesus was. And and so the Jews were asking for a sign. and, And in so doing, they were asking for his credentials. And they were totally unjustified in asking for that. They should have known better. They'd seen sign after sign. They'd seen miracle after miracle. They witnessed it. They did something that you haven't had the ability to do, to to physically walk with Jesus. Physically, spiritually you do. But they had that honor of of seeing Jesus in the flesh and witnessing His miracles that no one else could do. And so they had no reason to, to doubt and so it wasn't a lack of him doing the sign that he, uh, that wasn't the problem. He, he wasn't willing to do that. He didn't want to feed into their unbelief. And, and their religion was, was off kilter in the fact that they didn't really truly understand God's premise, God's point of sending his son. See, God's all about love. He's all about faith in relationship with His Son, Jesus, and and they were all about legalism. They were all about do's and don'ts and your works drawing you or making you acceptable to God. And, and, And Jesus set a completely different course than that. It was about relationship. But don't you know something? Wasn't it the resurrection that ultimately proved who Jesus was. I love, and I believe Paul authored the book of Romans, and I love the way he puts it in Romans chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. The good news about his son, about God's son Jesus, in his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. That's a messianic stipulation. That's a messianic requirement. The Messiah has to be in the lineage of David. And and Paul says, check mark, that took place. And he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Period. I love that. And, And it's important that we've got to believe what Paul says in Romans 10.9, one of my favorite verses when I'm witnessing to somebody, if you openly, openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. If you call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus, all who call upon the name of the Lord, some translations say, will be saved. One of the important things about baptism is that's what that is. It's, it's declaring your salvation, declaring what Jesus has done in your life. That, that act of going in the water is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. A baby doesn't understand that, right? It's more of a baby dedication. But as you become an adult, you become aware. That you don't even have to be an adult. Just at the age where you understand that I need to be saved. I want to go to heaven. And baptism doesn't save you, but it is a demonstration of a spiritual thing that has taken place in your life. You're dying to self. You're going under the water. The water represents the cleansing power of Christ. When you come up out of the water, it's a picture of Jesus raising from the dead. It's a picture of you becoming a new believer, a new person in Christ. And so it's a public profession. It becomes a testimony. And and in the book of Revelation, when it talks about the end times, the eschaton, the end times, it it says, and they will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. There's something powerful, uh, not something, it's all powerful, the blood of the Lamb, but your testimony in Christ is, is a powerful tool to lead people to truth. So, wonderful response that you and I have. Um, true statement number two, preaching can lead to repentance. It doesn't always lead to repentance. And you might be thinking, well, what's repentance? What's repentance? Repentance would be like this. I'm, I'm going this way. And repentance is stopping, turning, and going the opposite direction. It's stopping the direction you're going and, and going in a, another dr- direction. It's to change direction. And so in the construct of Christianity, of forgiveness of sin, repentance means that you stop going in an evil direction, stop going in a direction that God is not glorified, and you change directions. And listen, by, by the way, the only way you can do that, the only way you can do that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way you can have victory in that. And it's not to say that that you there's going to be a constant struggle. But I think the longer you walk with Jesus and practice the spiritual disciplines that are laid out in God's Word, it, it, I, I don't want to say it gets easier, but you mature and become a, a person that walks regularly in the victories of Christ. And it takes an enormous amount of faith, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But Jesus uses the illustration of Jonah going very reluctantly to Nineveh. In verse 41, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater, Jesus said. Jesus is saying, I'm greater than, than Jonah. I'm greater than the revival that took place and the preaching. I am the preaching, Jesus is saying. And, and, and so the Ninevites were uh, just a, a prime example of repentance. They repented. And thank God that Jonah finally um, listened to God. I think I'd listen to God too if I found myself in the belly of a big big fish for three days. And, but the Ninevites, they repented. And, uh, but prior to that, they had stooped, stooped into the pit of sin as deeply as anybody can. Uh, uh, And what that tells me is there is hope, people. There is hope. No matter how dark things get, no matter how evil things get, no matter how dark the world gets, no matter how far you have gone away from God, there is hope for all of us. Thank you, Lord. There is hope in Jesus. There's hope. We have hope. And so we have an example that Jesus is giving of, of Jonah preaching the truth. And, and the Ninevites, that were they were so dark and evil, and yet they repented and heard the word of the Lord. And so what that tells us is Jesus is greater than that. Jesus said, I'm greater than that. I'm standing right in front of you and you don't recognize who I am. But he's also saying there's hope for all of us. No matter how dark and ugly things get. And so Christ is applying that experience with, with uh, Jonah and Nineveh. But truth statement number three is this: we don't have any more excuses. He doesn't just give, Jesus doesn't just give one example to make a point. Can you imagine arguing with Jesus? He says in verse 42, The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And so the queen of the south, it's the queen of Sheba. And uh, from the country of uh, the Sabians. And it was about 1,200 miles southeast of Israel. And so she's a Gentile, a non-Jew, and it's kind of like this. If, if, uh, if you're a business owner or you're, you're into leadership and, and you're not satisfied with where you're at in your leadership abilities. Maybe you're employed by a company, but you're in a managerial position or you own a business, wh- whatever it might be. And you've extended yourself to the point where you've kind of done everything you know you can do, but you, want, you realize you can learn more and become a better leader, right? A lot of you are that way. And so what do you do? Well, you look for leaders that you esteem, that have, they're a little further down the road than you are, and you want to glean from them. You want to learn from them. You want to add, I used to say this uh, in the cabinet industry, when I had my cabinet shop, you want to add tools to your toolbox that make you a better cabinet maker. Absolutely. And so leadership, you want to add tools. I mean I think this applies to anything. As a parent, you want to add tools to be a better parent. As a believer, you want to add tools, you want to become more spiritually mature. And so the the queen of Sheba, she's twelve hundred plus miles, which they didn't have uh, electric cars back then. They had. They walked. They traveled by camel, or or just twelve hundred miles was a long distance. But she traveled to to see Solomon. She had heard Solomon's the wisest man in the world. Word got out. He's the richest man in the wor- world. The w- word got out, and so she wants to meet Solomon and and glean from what he has done, to learn from him. And she's not a Jew, she's non-Jew, which means she's a Gentile. And she's from an area, the the Sabians were very prosperous people, very prosperous cities, and yet she was willing to submit herself under Solomon and learn from him. And Jesus is saying, the wisest man in, in the world, I'm wiser than he is. I'm better than he is. So much more so. And someone greater than Solomon stands before you. And you're missing this. And I think when we look at these two illustrations, when we look at Nineveh, a place that was so dark, so evil, and yet the Gospel was brought to them, a message of God was brought to them by Jonah, and they repented, When you look at uh, the queen of the south, Sheba, and, and gleaning from the wisdom of Solomon, and Jesus saying, somebody greater than Solomon is before you. What we are encountered with is we don't have any excuse. There are no more excuses for us. There's no excuses for us. We see, even on mainstream media, we see throughout... All kinds of social media, podcasts, it's all, it's in front of us. People are talking about the end times. They're talking about the demise. They're talking about depopulation. They're talking about another pandemic. They're just, oh, it's wonderful news, isn't it? All the stuff that we hear. I mean, it's depressing. And, but I want you to know something. You and I have hope. And we can't allow that stuff to get into our spirit and just cause us to... Just feel so depressed and discouraged. Like, what's the reason or point of even getting up in the morning with all this negativity? And, And that's what the devil would want us to think. And yet, we have Christ and we have more than the facts. And I think and I believe with all my heart that God's word is fact, God's word is absolute, it's trustworthy. I can count on it but there's an element, and I told you I was going to talk about faith for a little bit, and I want to end with this. Faith is absolutely necessary as a believer of Jesus Christ to have faith. And you might think, well, I need to understand how the world was created. Good luck with that. (laughs) I need to understand really the Trinity, Father and Son, one God, one God, Manifest in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I I need to really wrap my head around that. Good luck with that. I mean, there's a lot of illustrations you can use, but have fun with it. Um, But there's this word faith, and faith is defined in the book of Hebrews. It's believing in something you can't see. For instance, if the Bible says in God's Word, that there are over 7,000 promises that you and I are recipients of. People who are followers of Christ are recipients of those promises. And, and a number of the promises talk about healing. A number of prof- promises talk about provision. Um, we can stand on that. We can stand on that. Pastor Steve, I don't know if I agree with that. Does everybody get healed? Well, eventually they do. If you really think about it. Right? You know where I'm going with that, right? Okay. So faith is believing in something that hasn't come to fruition. But when you stand on one of the promises of God, there's over 7,000 in God's Word, and you have faith and you're not seeing it come to fruition. It's kind of like we've been praying for involvement with a pregnancy center and. And of course, things didn't happen right away. Sometimes things happen right away. And then all of a sudden, all these doors get opened up and God puts on Trina's heart and people meet and they have meetings and they connect and they develop relationship. And now all of a sudden, we've got a new director. Um, That's faith. Just believing, God, this is a need. This is a need in our area. This is a need in our community. And we're trusting that you would open up the doors. And it's so cool to see Doors get opened up, and, and you see faith involved, and you see it come to fruition. That's beautiful. Here's how important faith is. The author of Hebrews, Hebrews 11.6, I have it on the screen, says, Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Please who? To please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. There's a definition of faith there. There's a connection with the need that you must be someone that has faith. You can't please God without faith. But there's also a promise that if you exercise faith in in godliness and faith in God's word, that there are rewards attached to that. Do you get that? There's a blessing that comes with walking in faith. And so I think what Jesus is saying here in his encounter and how he responds responds to the religious leaders is he's saying, guys, you're, you're so steeped in tradition. You're so steeped in religiosity that you're not seeing through the lens of faith that the Messiah is standing right in front of you. Now, we're coming to a place now in our world where they're talking about openly a one-world government. Boy, what a new idea. No, no, it's in the Bible. It talks about in the end times that uh, the Antichrist is gonna come. Gonna, it talks about the, th- the thrust forward to a one-world government. And we're seeing that openly discussed. We're seeing it openly discussed about a one-world currency. And we know that there, the Bible talks about there's gonna be a point in time where you won't be able to buy or sell anything unless you have the mark of the beast. We don't quite know exactly what the mark of the beast is, but we have some speculation of what it could be based on all the new technology that are out there. So we're seeing all these things happening now, and, and um, it can be very frightening at face value, but when you are a person of faith, it's actually quite exciting. You might say, what are you talking about? The world's going to explode and people are going to die and there's going to be persecution. And how could that be exciting? Well, I'm excited by the fact that God loves you so much. Yet maybe you haven't heard that recently. Or, or maybe you haven't heard someone say, and look you deep in the eyes and say, I love you. That's what God's saying right now. He loves you so much that He sent His Son over 2,000 years ago. Jesus is just alive now as He was then. He's alive. And if you're born again, if Christ is in your heart, He's living within you. God sent, the Father sent His Son. Jesus willingly went to the cross, took on our sins on the cross, so we could live forever god's not going to force his love on you you have to make the decision to accept him to repent i talked about repentance and invite jesus into your heart and i want to give you an opportunity to do that right now i don't want you to be fretting or worrying about all the stuff you see going on on the news and all the thing that's going everything that's going on in the landscape all the craziness that's going on in the world through all of that, through the fog of all of that, God can give you a hope and a peace and a confidence. You don't have to worry about any of that. You really don't. If you know where you're going to spend eternity. And as I've shared with you many times, our responsibility is to bring as many people to heaven with us as we possibly can. Will you bow your heads? Father, I thank you for the time that we've had together. And... um, Lord, I pray right now that if there's someone here, somebody watching online right now that doesn't know for certain that if they were to die today, they'd spend eternity in heaven. If there's any doubt at all, if there's any uncertainty at all, Lord, I pray that today that uncertainty would flip to a knowing that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. And that can only happen, Jesus said, the only way to be with the Father is through the Son. And that's by being born again. Jesus said that to Nicodemus. And Lord, I just pray that today people would give their heart to You. Today people would rededicate their life to You. And one other thing I want to add in my prayer, Lord, we know people that are struggling and not at a place of having hope. And we wanna pray for them as well, Lord, that they would come to know you in a personal way. So I wanna give you an opportunity as your head is bowed, would you receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you're watching online, would you receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now? You might think, well, that sounds kinda simply presented, but it is something that is done and it's not complicated. It's surrendering your heart to Jesus. And you can do that through prayer. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And so in prayer, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. And I now ask you to be my Lord and Savior. For those of you who are rededicating your life to the Lord, pray this prayer. Jesus, I come to you right now and I rededicate my life to you in Jesus' name. And then one more prayer. I'd like you to lift up that person or persons that you know, that you love, that you care about, that you are concerned for, that they would come to a place of hope and saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And pray with me. Dear Jesus, I lift up and fill in the blank with their names. I lift up. I pray that you'd help them. Holy Spirit, that you'd touch their heart. Draw them to a place of salvation to come to you, Lord. Help them to realize how much you dearly love them. So I lift up. I lift them up to you right now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. (laughs) Go ahead and stand to your feet. Go ahead and stand to your feet. The praise team is going to close us in a song. And listen, I want to just give you some instruction. If you prayed to receive Christ or you rededicated your life to the Lord, would you do one of two things or both? Fill out a connection card. They're on the tables throughout the facility. You can fold fold it in half and stick it in the bucket. But you can also text the word pray. If you made a commitment to Christ this morning, text the word pray to the number that you see on the screen. And I want to encourage you in your growth. Next Sunday we have baptisms and then following second service, I'm going to have a special meeting introducing some, uh, a lot of different opportunities with our prayer ministry if you're interested in. Make sure you register so we can feed you. If you don't register, you can show up. You just won't get anything to eat. All right? One more prayer. Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for the blessing of the week before us. Minister, meet the needs that we have, and we thank you in advance for doing that. In Jesus' name, amen. You may go, or you can stay, as the praise team closes in song. God bless.